arts and architecture since 1987. Bringing the coast as close as the mailbox. On the web at mainboats.com. Voices, the community audio magazine produced here at WERU. You can hear Voices every Tuesday afternoon at 4 and the weekend edition of Voices now at 10 o'clock on Saturday mornings. Only here on your community radio station, WERU. This hour of Boat Talk is made possible in part by Gamble and Hunter Sailmakers, making sales for classic boats, cruising boats, and the main windjammers for over 20 years. Near the harbor in Camden, gambleandhunter.net. It's 10.01 and you are tuned to WERU-FM, 89.9 Blue Hill, 102.9 Bangor, and streaming online at weru.org. Boat Talk with Alan Sprague and Mike Joyce is up next. Good morning. It's 10 o'clock, second Tuesday of the month. Time for Boat Talk here on Community Radio, WERU-FM, Blue Hill, 89.9, 102.9, Bangor. Boat Talk is your, uh, your own in-house sailing show. It's a call-in show for people contemplating things naval with your old rusty anchors, Mike Joyce and Alan Sprague and our favorite guest host here too is Giffy Full here for the last time this year he's going to be heading south in another few days but welcome back Giffy yeah good to be here glad, glad you're here Giffy uh, how, are, how are you going to get south this year is the boat going south <laughs> no <laughs> no no the car's going south and the boat's not going at all even no, even by no, land no some no. people would think this whole show is going south but that's another <laughs> <laughs> yep just curious Yep. Anyhow, well, Mike's got a whole list of uh, newspaper clippings there to get to. Maybe before, while well, Mike's still getting his pile organized, I'll tell you. I got an email from a fellow up in Bangor who is interested in uh, promoting small boat access to the Bangor waterfront there. The Harbor Committee and Parks Recreation Division are having a forum on Thursday, November 19th. This is going to be at the Bangor Parks and Recreation building, which is on 647 Main Street in Bangor. They want to uh, seek public comment on a proposed small boat access at the Bangor Waterfront Park. Apparently, there's a hard chance to get a small boat in right there now, so they want to be able to get access for people with small boats. The small boat they define as anything you can carry by, by hand, and they're, uh, in that form, they're going to look for suggestions of other small boat activities there at the Bangor Waterfront, and... Uh, any general comments on small boat usage down there? This is going to be again happening on Thursday evening at 7 p.m., November 19th, at the Bangor Parks and Recreation Building in Bangor. So what else is up, Mike? Okay. Uh, let's talk about boat talk for a minute. Oh, yep. Yeah. Um, we uh, were approached by the management a little while ago, and uh, I believe EarthSense is getting done as a little feature in the morning, and we are contemplating... Uh, expanding the expanding the store, I guess you'd say, you know, 
and doing a weekly uh, three to five minute feature, mm-hmm. um, which would be uh, one morning a week during Morning Maine. And you and I pretty much agreed about that, didn't we? Yeah, I, I actually, I think that would be more your inclination. So I expect you to probably carry the load on that one. We have an interesting uh, partnership here. There's some things we don't talk about. You just do, I, you know. <laughs> oh, by the way. <laughs> yeah, we'll figure it out. Anyway, uh, thinking about, uh, like I say, expanding uh, and adding a little Boat Talk feature. Um, on the website, um, thinking of uh, adding a couple of things, too. Um, uh, thinking of adding a book locker, for one thing. Book locker, okay. Yeah, a reading, a reading section. Yep. Um, you know, I'm a big reader and like to start uh, pointing out book, I boat think, books. I think Giffy yeah. would probably be like I, 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 I am too. I'm a big reader and, uh, of course, I love anything of that nature and particularly maritime history. Yeah, me too. <clears throat> anything with a boat on it, uh, basically. So, uh, thinking about doing that, I, uh, geez, I've, uh, what were we doing, boat talk for 10, 12 years now, something like that? I think it's going to be, yeah, 10, yeah. 10 years, yeah. probably. Maybe until recently, <laughs> until recently, I only ever missed one. I was at a funeral one morning for my aunt in Portland, and I turned bright red, and I thought, oh, my God, I'm supposed to be on the radio right now. I'm supposed to be, yeah. <laughs> I've had those feelings. <laughs> but uh, you remember that one, and, and uh, I've missed the last three boat talks. I've been off uh, out to sea delivering boats. Yeah, but this was on purpose. Yeah, this was on purpose. I missed the last three. And, uh, and by purpose. Yeah, I must say, uh, you guys uh, uh, did a fine job without me. Uh, a, a little little alarm to uh, notice that you may not have hardly noticed I was gone. So yeah, anyway. That's why Giffy is here. Yeah. No, nice job. And um, I uh, wrote up a, another piece for the website. It's called Nantucket Sleigh Ride, and it's on the website this morning. It is the first part of a, uh, you know, a boating story from, uh, you know, the summer, and the second part is written, and it'll be up within a week or so, the end of the story. Anyway, have it. been having some adventures at sea. We've had, we even had a mutiny this summer, but we can't talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> the, the Boat Talk website, which is uh, boattalk.org, yeah. is actually getting fairly active. There's a, a recent post of uh, Giffy's boat is on there, too. And we I remember, saw that. Remember we were talking about the... Uh, line cutters and how I dislike the uh, number of line cutters that are out there. And Giffy said, well, I got something better than that. He's called them, you call them wings, don't you? Yeah, yeah. I call them. Yeah, yeah. I, you can call them airplane wings, anything you want. Yeah, there's pictures of that. I mean, pictures worth a thousand words, and these, these ones are pretty good explanation of just how Giffy made these these little Yeah, they're simply deflectors, uh, I guess. bronze wings that are uh, about 20 inches long that are raked back at a 45-degree angle approximately, and they're bolted to each side of the keel on on built-up fiberglass pads. And uh, what they do is uh, if you run over a pot warp or a buoy, they deflect it and throw it away from the wheel. Uh, Last year, uh, I only got one, and that didn't do any damage to me or the pot. I heard it. I heard her... Heard it go out by and hit the rudder and kept on going. Never, never caught it a bit. We should explain that a lot of uh, yachts, especially, have what are called spurs, and it's uh, little cutters that are attached to the shaft just by the propeller. And what they're meant to do is, if they catch a lobster uh, pot line, to chop it up. And of course, then the uh, lobsterman loses his traps. Um, usually, there's two traps on the end of one of those, and you're thinking a couple hundred dollars. So the idea is not to get them well, hooked up to begin with, because there are quite a few of them. And 
I know I've seen quite a few lobster boats that have spurs on them now, yeah. too. Well, we can talk about that because that's in the news, of course. Uh, this summer was big in the lobster industry here with uh, lots of... Lots of bad headlines. There was some, uh, you know, uh, there's great tension in the lobster fishery this summer, I guess is the best way to explain it. Uh, prices down, uh, expenses are up, and the economy is very uncertain, you know, and the boys are kind of hurting, and uh, girls too, of course. And, and uh, so there's been uh, shooting, sinking, uh, cutting of lobster traps. That goes on all the time, but it's been real heavy this summer. And... Uh, just recently in the news, uh, somebody threatening somebody with a shotgun off you know, of Port Clyde. I, I think you know? that's only in pretty limited areas, though. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the interesting thing is that, the, the uh, as we've uh, said on Boat Talk lots of times, your license allows you to fish in uh, one of the seven areas of the state, uh, lobster fishery zones. But local custom uh, does not allow you to fish anywhere. And the DMR is now stepping up, and, and uh, boy, they have uh, had a busy summer. Um, trying to calm things down, and like yep. I said, uh, people are, you know, just in fear of their livings uh, in the public garden there, and and uh, you know this has always gone on, but it's been a, it's been a big bad summer. We for have it, a, we so. have phone calls. So let's yeah. let's go to that. Good morning, welcome to Boat Talk. Uh, good morning, uh, is this Alan? Yes. Yes, Alan. Uh, this is Dan Cassidy calling in. Oh yes, uh, we we just talked about your. Uh, oh, you did your project in Bangor. Okay. Good. Uh, I'm not in a situation where I'm able to list in, uh, so I just wanted to give a call and certainly uh, encourage uh, anyone who has an interest in small boat access uh, on the river to... Is, it, is uh, there no, no, no access there now? Well, it is very, very limited. Uh, one has to either put in down at the public landing in Hamden or, or the only other access is at a boat ramp uh, on the brewer side, but that is above the, uh, uh, the old hydro dam. So uh, with the fluctuation of the tide, uh, it's, uh, it's not good. And there have been some people who have put in there and uh, uh, been uh, caught because uh, you know, if they're in it high tide and it drops, then all of a sudden they have a rabbit that they have to get through to uh, get back to their put-in spot. Yeah, they say so, damn. Mm -hmm, yeah. Um, so why don't you just give a brief description of this uh, forum that's going to be happening next, well, Thursday the 19th. Okay, well, what's, what's behind this is uh, uh, the city of Bangor is developing uh, this waterfront uh, park that's been happening in stages, and uh, they've received a grant uh, this, uh, uh, this year for construction that's going to take place uh, over uh, this year and next. And part of, uh, part of the plan is to have a small boat uh, access, and small boat is being defined as essentially hand-carried craft, so we're talking about uh, canoes, kayaks, uh, uh, rowing craft. And uh, the idea is to have an access point where people can get their, uh, uh, their boats in and out of the water uh, safely. <coughs> and in fact, there's an area where this is going to happen that's uh, somewhat out of the uh, current of the river. So during the summertime after, uh, uh, after the river has seen its uh, uh, spring runoff, it's actually a pretty nice place to uh, put in and out. So uh, what the Bangor Harbor Committee and Bangor Parks and Rec is, uh, uh, is doing is we're sponsoring a, uh, a forum, uh, and that's going to be Thursday uh, the 19th, and it's going to be at 7 o'clock uh, at the Bangor Parks and Rec building, which is the old armory uh, on Main Street 
uh, just past the 395 uh, overpass going down to Hamden. Uh, and we're encouraging uh, public to come because we want people to look at the uh, current design plans. I think it's also important for uh, uh, the city to understand what kind of interest is out there for any uh, small boat activities or, or programs uh, on, the, uh, on the river. Uh, and so I think that uh, yeah, it, it's, it's a good opportunity for folks who uh, have an interest to... Could you, could you uh, speak up, please? Uh, so the, the, you. I, the idea is to try to get some uh, uh, public input into this, uh, uh, into this project. So, uh, so again, that's uh, Thursday the 19th, 7 o'clock, at the Bangor Parks and, and Rec Building, which is the old armory uh, on Main Street. One, one quick comment. Uh, it's probably a very good thing, but, uh, and I'm sure you're well aware of it, but in your conference, you've got to plug in a description uh, of a plan that encompasses trailers and parking of trailers. Well, there, uh, that in fact is is uh, is not going to happen because uh, there is no place to uh, uh, reproduce a uh, regular launch ramp as uh, there is uh, down the river uh, in Hamden. There will be parking, and people can uh, be able to uh, uh, bring small craft in, but uh, it would have to be a uh, something that can be uh, hand carried or just put on a dolly and taken down. And part of that is because of the uh, restriction of, uh, uh, of space uh, 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 there. So, uh, and there's permitting issues that need to be dealt with. And, and uh, the most that we're going to be able to, to get here is a, uh, is a small boat uh, uh, access point. All right. Well, thank you very much. And uh, good luck with your, with your forum and getting on the water in Bangor. Okay, well, it would be good to uh, get more small craft one, uh, up on the river there. Okay, mm -hmm. yeah. Giffy has one more Yeah, one, uh, a year ago, uh, this summer, uh, I had a very, very pleasant trip up the river from Bucksport, and we went up to the Sea Dog Restaurant Tavern there and had lunch and came back down, and it was a, it was a beautiful trip down the river. Thank you. Oh, the river is a great, uh, great spot, and trying to get more activity there. Well, thank, thank you for uh, uh, letting us pass this information on. Oh, thank you. I would also offer that uh, you will get a whole new perception uh, by being on the river and looking at the land, as opposed to being on the land and looking at the river. If you follow me, you know that's always a good thing. Oh, okay, we're doing boat talk this morning, and uh, we're just running down some of the news stuff. It is a call-in show. We interrupt ourselves about any time. It's not ever a problem. I haven't even given the number out yet. It is 1-866-625-9378. We were just talking about the fishermen there. Did you know there's, uh, like, the Cash for Clunkers program? There's one for diesel engines in, in uh, boats, and it's working right now on the coast of Maine. There's uh, one to $1.2 million dollars. Uh, granted, that will uh, cover uh, approximately 40 vessels this year. And uh, what they're doing is providing 50% of the funding for a new low emissions diesel for anybody mm -hmm. who applies. There's a lot of paperwork. The money is not uh, reported to be flowing, uh, sort, of, sort of like the Cash for Clunkers plan, but people like Billings Diesel, uh, uh, Billings Marine down in Stonington have uh, 10 
uh, repower jobs from this, and wow. most of them are, are good, loyal customers, and they're you know not going to worry about the money. It'll it'll probably be along. The uh, boats include lobster boats, uh, fishing vessels, a tourist schooner, an aquaculture boat, three ferries, and the Sunbeam Five, the main Seacoast mission. Uh, vessel. Cash for moorings. Cash, <laughs> cash for sunkers. They're going to need a lot more than $1.2 million. Oh, good Lord. Uh, you, know what a, you know what a good marine diesel costs, Giffy. Man, they're expensive. Well aware of it. Yeah, but they're making better ones all the time. and uh, So that's interesting. Maine Maritime Academy is in the news. They are suffering from historic enrollment. And this is about their reputation and the state of the economy. They have a very good reputation of placing people in, in uh, very good jobs. And uh, they have about 900 people down there this season, which is about 100 more than usual. Um, Janice Zenter from uh, Maine Maritime says this, uh, when people are seafarers, they tend to be resourceful and know how to do it all, you know, which I think is uh, very accurate. For instance, up in Stetson, there's 30, 38 windmills on a uh, mountain up in Stetson, uh, and there's four guys taking care of them. They inspect them about once a month, and that's a full-time job for four guys. And a couple of them are Maine Maritime graduates. Hmm. One of them, uh, for instance, his career has included uh, going to sea, working in a naval shipyard, running a wood-burning power plant, uh, working at a construction company, and they're engineers ashore is what they are. I still say the water turbines are the way to go. You don't even see them instead of covering the mountaintops with windmills. We'll get to the the, the wind (laughs) things next on the list here, Giffy. I also need to mention the Bowden. It went... uh, way north this year, and uh, participated in a celebration of Captain Bob Bartlett, who was a Newfoundland, uh, old Newfoundland uh, captain who figured in uh, early Arctic exploration and, and some adventures in the seal fishery. And the Bowden ended up to be the star of this, traveled around from place to place, and uh, apparently made people cry. People, uh, it was on television a lot. They uh, really got a lot of good press, and they just don't see all that many schooners down there where, you know, it used to be the... The, the land of schooners, you know. <laughs> and uh, so anyway, Bowden really did a great, uh, uh, what do you call it, promotional uh, tour down there. And also, of course, it's education. Yeah, I'd like to add, too, that like a lot of our colleges, Maine Maritime Academy's got to raise more money all the time. Yeah. And uh, they'll be having a, a benefit auction and dinner and so forth. And in Portland, I believe it's in March. So perhaps people that are interested... Uh, might like to attend that, okay? Yeah. yeah. And uh, I tell you, my uh, my my respect for the commercial uh, um, U.S. Marine people is uh, rising all the time. And uh, I wrote about it on the uh, Nantucket Sleigh Ride uh, story I posted on the website, uh, boattalk.org. We run th- down through New York City in the middle of the night, Giffy, from about 2 uh, a.m., got into the East River, 4.30, past the Statue of Liberty. And the vessel traffic on the East River in the middle of the night is intense. And to listen to them on the radio, those boys are good at what they do, you know. It was, it was pretty, I was very impressed. But anyway, let's talk about offshore wind. Uh, the University of Maine is leading a, uh, a consortium of people who have just uh, scored an $8 million grant from the U.S. government, and they think there's $5 million coming. This goes to the Advanced uh, Structures and Composite Center up at the University of Maine. And they have just signed a, an agreement with a Norwegian company. And uh, what they uh, envision is two floating turbines in place somewhere in the next two years. 
And they've also chosen four possible locations and ruled out a bunch of other ones. Four possible places these uh, turbines could go. Boone Island off of uh, Kittery. Damaris Cove off of, uh, uh, what do you call that, Booth Bay there. Yeah. Uh, Monhegan Island and Cutler down east. So it's coming. And Maine has a, a very good chance to, uh, you know, uh, really be influential in, in the industry, you know, if such a thing does develop here. And <laughs> also, uh, this was pretty cool too, Giffy. I, uh, here's one right here. <laughs> Headline from the Bangor Daily News, November 3rd, 2009. Tribes, wind farm would destroy sacred ritual. And these are the Wampa Noag Indians down in uh, Massachusetts. And they are saying that if uh, wind... Mills are put out in Nantucket Sound there. Um, it's going to ruin their view, and they can't pray. And, uh, <laughs> okay. Yeah, and well, it's, in er it's always in somebody's backyard. I don't care where you put it, isn't it? I know, but uh, we have to think seriously in Maine about uh, how we want to treat our environment and whether we want to look at pretty natural islands or windmills. Well, it's another... You know, Another there's different views. I mean, it's uh, there's no question where you need energy, but there's other ways to get it. And I, my pet pet thing is Tidal. underwater turbines you don't, you don't using the current Yeah, that people don't even see. You don't, don't have to see. wait for the weather. Don't have to wait for the wind. I don't. believe I believe there's an undersea cable, uh, <clears throat> uh, power cable in Long Island Sound that they found uh, lobsters don't like to crawl past. It has an electromagnetic field like power lines, you know. It's possible. Yeah, it's all, uh, there's so many variables here. Can I just read this? This is a statement from the Wampan Wampanoags. Uh, we, the Wampanoag people who opened our arms and allowed people to come here for religious freedoms are now being threatened with our religion being taken away for the profits of one single group of investors, which is, <laughs> you know, like I say, always in somebody's backyard. Yeah, it's so it's yeah. always a problem. We've all got our own views of things. Yeah, that was but nice. But I do believe there's there's very efficient ways to to uh, recover energy uh, n naturally without yes. despoiling the. We have a phone call, so let's let's go to that. Yeah. Then, good morning. Welcome to Boat Talk. Hi, this is Gray from Hancock. Hi, Gray. Great, interesting show. We're talking about uh, the wind power surge, which seems to be going on right now, without as Giffy pointed out, without much consideration of other things. I personally think that uh, solar is something that we should put a little more emphasis on because it's really easy to do, uh, and c everybody can do it and feed into the grid. And incentives for, for installing solar panels, you know, you don't even need to have batteries. You can just feed right into the grid. That, that, that would help a lot. Uh, but why well, I got a question for Giffy. Um, a couple of years ago, uh, I mentioned something about um, putting turbines in the Gulf Stream, and I recall, if if my memory is not faulty, I recall Giffy saying that he thought we had to be careful uh, because we didn't want to mess up the Gulf Stream. Oh no, no, no! I'm just a hundred percent the other way. One oh, okay. I, I I'm, thought maybe I'm all in favor of that. I've thought about it for years. I mean, you stop and think. You've got a a current that runs two and a half to three knots forever. And there's no reason you can't harness that. I, I would agree with to you totally. It. It's clean. It would be efficient. Uh, uh, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a little bit confused that people want to 
put some kind of a floating windmill. Uh, I, I sure wouldn't want to see that at Damerscove Island. No, and, no I, I agree with you yeah. entirely. I mean, there's, there's simple things about the, you know, having a nice view. You know, we live in, in the greatest, Penobscot Bay is the greatest sailing area, in, one of the greatest sailing areas in the world. And and to stick windmills out there is just ridiculous. Yeah, but the other thing is, you, there's no question that that solar works. It's I, I'm no expert on it at all, but uh, in any way, shape, or form. But I have a a solar panel on uh, my boat, and and it keeps my batteries up all the time. My batteries have never been down in that boat as long as. Uh, the solar panels are in proper order. And it needs very little maintenance, unlike the I haven't mill. done anything to it in three years. Yeah, and, you know, and I believe solar stuff is manufactured in this country, whereas a lot of the, a lot of the windmill stuff is made in Europe or Canada or somewhere else. Couldn't agree with you more. All right. Here's, a, um, here's a headline from today's Bangor Daily News, the state section. Group takes stand against wind power. A new group called Citizens Task Force on Wind Power. Uh, Jonathan Carter is involved in here somewhere. I don't have, I uh, can't read the whole thing, but, um, you know, they're kind of a them. And they say basically that the promises being made to Maine people are too good to be true. Hmm. So. I think, I think, you know, it's, it's just figuring out where they're best used. That's yeah, yeah, I think. There's a place for windmills, but I don't. If I were deciding on a campaign to, uh, you know, get alternative energy going, I would start with solar. Well, I'd start with conservation, but uh, solar would be my first investment uh, uh, because it's it's so easy. Uh, and there's a place for windmills, but to cover, you know, whatever 300 and some miles of mountaintops in Maine with with wind farms, which is what they're planning to to do, uh, is you know, you go to Europe, you go to Germany, for instance, you drive along the roads, you don't see telephone wires because they care about the view. They put them elsewhere. They put them underground or they put them off to the side where you can't see them. We made a big mistake here. You drive along the roads, it's an ugly mess with all the wires and poles and stuff, and they fall down and they're vulnerable. And, it's, you know, it's just like if you could put a, you okay. put a turbine above the waves where it's going to rock back and forth and pull on its tethers, and every once in a while that 100-year wave's going to come along and demolish it. Uh, it. It makes much more sense to put the turbine under the water where it's, it's hard, you know, it's not going to have all yeah, that turbine. Ab- absolutely. You're right. We, we have another phone call. Okay, Grace. thanks Let's a lot. Th- thank, thank you. you. Good morning. Welcome to Boat Talk. Good morning. This is Tim. Uh, uh, good morning. Welcome to Wind Talk. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> really? But it's, I'm working on a boat. So a lot I, of wind here. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm working on a boat right now. I came in because I wanted to talk about it. Uh, one thing about what Giffy's saying is, is, is you know, it, one aspect of it that that's definitely favors that is the density of the energy. If you have a two-knot stream of, of, of air and a two-knot stream of wind, the wind is... There's got to be like, you know, a thousand times as much density and really energy there in that stream. And we have to, solar's good, but it, it's not, it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's so much more diffuse, like a, a square meter of, uh, of land or surface that the sun has fallen on. It's, it's useful and it's good, but it's, it's, as far as getting the kind of energy that we're going to need to turn off the nukes, 
and and quit spewing carbon. Really, the the heart blood pump of of energy of the planet is right there in those in the Gulf Stream and in the all the the, the heavy duty you know permanent oceans uh, currents. And at the dense, I mean, you just think the density is a, a thousand. You know, when in the I'm sorry, I'm going off on a tangent, but when the uh, when you measure the amount of energy at any given wind speed in the winter as compared to summer, there's a difference just because it's colder and more dense. Well, the density of that, the mass of, of water is, is just so much right, more energy. Right. Well, thank you. We had a good discussion on tidal power last, last month, and there is a link on our WERU, I mean, on the Boat Talk website, boattalk.org. There's a link. Where to do you live? Oh, Tim he, Tim hang, hung up. Yeah. I heard I heard the click there. I wanted to ask him what kind of boat he was working on today. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, no, Tim, I heard him click off there, so we lost him. No. Anyway, we're about half past back, have, uh, half past boat talk already have, this morning. I have another item to discuss, but let's go finish through your, your list there yeah. first, Mike. Uh, like I said, we're about half past boat talk this you morning. You need two more hours. We do. <laughs> and... Uh, one, uh, I haven't been here for three months. I keep clipping stuff. So anyway, one eight six 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 two five nine three seven eight is the number here, and we'll interrupt ourselves about any time. Talk to you. The Hankley Company is in the news. They uh, hiring back eighty five people. The headline said, but that's a little uh, misleading because only about thirty thirty of those will be local. The Hankley Company now has uh, locations all up and down the eastern seaboard. They uh, say they've sold more than a half a dozen boats recently, according to Phil Bennett. And part of that strategy is a different, different marketing plan. They've given up on some of their traditional boat shows. For instance, they did a, uh, they scored pretty good at a private uh, show in Greenwich, Connecticut. I delivered a Morris boat down to that show this spring. I uh, wrote about that on the a website private too. Show, huh? Yeah, private boat shows. Uh, mar- target marketing, you know. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, we, the we Morris have another Co- phone call. So. The Morris Company also has uh, taken on a couple of Coast Guard uh, sailboats to build three, for the, I believe, for the racing program. Trying to keep people busy, you know. So anyway, we're going to go to the phone call first, and then we got more to come here on uh, Boat Talk. But first, good morning. Welcome to Boat Talk. Good morning. This is Captain Yo in Tremont. Captain Yo, always good to hear from you, man. How are you? Thank Captain, you. I'm fine. It was it was you who raised the question about the uh, drag effect on the Gulf Stream, wasn't it? Well, I introduced that at a previous show, and yes. uh, you know clearly. Any kind of resistance you put into a system is going to accept is going to affect its flow. I wanted to comment on something a little different, though. Um, Gray mentioned conservation, sort of as an afterthought, as a parenthesis, and the fact that everyone seems to be stepping around is that America, in particular, has learned profligate energy use due to essentially free non-renewable resources during the 20th century. And there is no practical, low-impact system that's going to provide the kind of energy that Americans are used to using, from jet travel to amusement parks to leaf blowers to you name it. That is just plain not going to happen. And you could clog the Gulf Stream with turbines until you stopped it to a trickle and you still wouldn't be able to run all the machines. So conservation can't possibly be an afterthought. Conservation, and it, it has to be more than conservation. No, and I, I believe... It has to be an entire rethinking of where we are and what we're doing on the Earth 
And it was only 100 years ago, you can see, through the woods of Maine and New England, you can see the stone fences. And all those stones were moved by muscle power. It's an amazing testimony to the durability of the animal frame. Yeah, a lot of it was horses and oxen. But still, you know, this, this nation was built on muscle power, and I don't know why people are so afraid to use their muscles. You see a guy out there blowing leaves around in the wind, and you wonder... Why the hell doesn't he just get a rake? <laughs> yeah. Seriously. So, um, right. you know, these green technologies are going to be really important. They're really important already. But if they're not coupled with a complete about-face in our consciousness about energy, they are doomed to failure. And it's going to be oil wars until mutually assured destruction. Well, you're right, okay. and, and Gray did put uh, conservation in a first on his list, too, as I remember. Let's get back to boat talk. Oh, Thanks well. so much for running the show, fellas. Hold yeah. on hold on for a minute there, Yo. Uh, yeah. Yo has a uh, one of my favorite uh, little schooners, Annie McGee, a little pinky schooner. Uh, where's Annie McGee right now? What's she doing, and well, how was your summer? Your Annie McGee update. She was hauled at Morris Yard uh, almost two weeks ago. And over the weekend, we pulled the sticks, and earlier today, I got the shrouds and halyards off, and that's all packed and ready to move. I'm going to go pick up the peapod in a little while. It's It's been such beautiful weather, it's a shame to not be out in the boat. How but is as I reminded everybody, you've got to save the last nice day to take her apart. <laughs> that's a good point. Yeah, that's a, yeah. How'd, how'd you learn that, huh? I learned that a few times trying to get those shackles apart around Thanksgiving time when the <laughs> freeze plugs were coming out of the engine block. And, and you're, you're blowing on your fingers. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's never enough. And, of course, you can't wear gloves for that kind of work. Yeah. And uh, we have, do we have a good sailing summer to cover some ground? Well, I wouldn't know. I got in middle of uh, August. I hurt my shoulder over the winter time, and uh -huh. I just couldn't climb up and down. But I did have a little help, and... You know, it was just as well because there was no visibility and rain and all that, and all the other guys were whining about how terrible the sailing was. So once we got in, yeah, I think we probably got in more good sailing than even in a normal year. So cool. I'm very pleased. And what's more important is I'm not fed up with the boat right now. Ordinarily, I come ashore, I'm fed up. I don't even want to look at it. I don't even sweep the leaves out of the cockpit. But this year... Uh, in a much better frame of mind. Why would you take that attitude towards a uh, beautiful little Annie McGee there? She stress you out sometimes? Well, yeah, well, when I was running the business, it got stressful. Yeah, chartering. Yeah, yeah and by the end of the season, I, you know, holidays coming on, I just pull the tarp over. And, or not even. But now I can bring her inside in the heated space, and it's a lot more fun to do the work. All right. All right, well, thank you for calling. Thanks in. again for oh, running the show. Wait a minute, you'll... No, no, I just wanted okay. to mention something entirely different. Okay, well... Because uh, it's supposed to be you. boat talk, and uh, I was in Doug Highland's yard this morning down to West Brooklyn, and he's uh, they've got a 38-foot oyster-style little yacht under construction. they got a 28-foot wooden uh, lobster boat under... Uh, it's, uh, I guess you'd call it a lobster yacht. I don't like the term, but a pleasure power boat under construction and a very lovely 14-foot uh, lap streak yacht tender under construction.
Nice. So, so they're, they're keeping out of trouble this winter, and it's nice to see that work going on. Yeah, nice they're still making wooden boats. Yeah. Speaking of local yards, uh, my friend Richard uh, Ryder and his daughter Belle down to uh, Union River Boat Company down here in Bucksport um, have just come out with a new boat. It's called the Presto 30. It's a Roger Martin design, and it's meant to uh, fill a certain kind of niche. It is a trailerable boat. It's um, so I, I think of it as a Sharpie Giphy. Um, it has a very interesting rig, has two carbon fiber rigs with... Um, well, they're kind of gaff-looking sails. They're, they're uh, really uh, triangular sails where the tops have been cut off and the top of that triangle, you know, yeah. what's it do anyway? So uh, very light, very efficient, very low draft. Um, it's 30 feet long, so it's kind of long for a trailer, but because of its uh, uh, low draft, it goes on and off the trailer very easily. The top pops up. The companionway has like a pop top. The old uh, presto. Yeah, the con- <laughs> uh, what was yeah. It? controversies used to yeah. have those. Yeah. Yeah. And... Uh, <laughs> Here's the interesting thing, um, and like I say, this is an attempt for, you know, uh, market something a little different and, uh, you know, get things moving. Things a little slow down to Union River Boat at the present time. They took it down to the Annapolis Boat Show, and the first one belongs to the, the designer, and um, in a 20-knot breeze, they got this 30-knot, this uh, 30-foot boat going 12 knots. Whoa. That's fast. That's fast. That's yeah. very fast. It must, it must have been, um, yeah. what do they call it, planing. Just about planing, yeah. exactly right. It is a wide, shallow uh, dish, basically, yeah. which makes it go on and off the trailer fairly easily. It has a centerboard, and it has a uh, has an interesting outboard rig and a well in the cockpit where the outboard goes straight up and down on a tackle through a hole in the bottom. Yeah. So uh, it's it's slightly unusual, but it's a, it's a very interesting boat and fast. Did I mention fast? <laughs> like I say, to go 12 knots in a 30-foot boat and 20 knots of wind, is it's extraordinary. Yeah. Well, is that it for your list? Oh, Time good for... Lord. What are you, teasing me? Well, I, you I, and Giffy both this morning. I got some gas to get rid of here pretty yeah. quick. Well, uh, <laughs> that, that's the end of the list here is yeah. gas as well. It's uh, uh, more energy yeah. stuff. It's about LNG, uh, liquefied natural, natural gas. And uh, I am in a mind to uh, talk to the people down in New Brunswick. I've reached out to the uh, St. John Telegraph Journal, I believe it is, uh, they've been supplying articles to the Bangor Daily News, and basically they have built a new LNG facility down in St. John, New Brunswick. It's called Canaport, and it is open and in business. That's why they don't want the Americans to be doing Oh, then there's uh, some interesting politics here, too. Now, there's uh, that gas is coming down a pipeline, which goes right through us, and there has been extensive work done on that pipeline. They've made five new pumping stations. One's up in Brewer. Yep. cost $50 million bucks. <clears throat> Turns out they're the biggest taxpayer in the town of Brewer. They pay $900,000 tax on that pumping station. Mm-hmm. And the neighbors say they don't even notice it. Do you notice it? It's going right there. Now, the New Brunswick uh, people have a plan to become an energy hub. This is what they're working on. they got a nuclear power plant just east of here down to Point Pro. Most people don't really appreciate. And I believe they've refurbished it and... Uh, are, are they adding another one or they refurbished it? But uh, I don't really one know. One of the two. No, like yeah. I say, out of sight, out of mind, yeah. about 100 miles, of 100, less than 150 the, miles And out of here. the United States? So Barely. Well, here's the thing. Their, their energy hub plan depends on selling it to the United States. How is it going to get there? But we can't do it. It's got to come through Maine, okay? Yeah. And uh, so they're looking for a Maine energy corridor. And we're talking, uh, quote, massive new infrastructure. 
Um, here's a question. Do we get on and off ramps for the state of Maine? Do we get to have some of this gas so we can burn it? If we have wind farms, can we send our power into this corridor? You know, there's some politics right there. They are saying uh, the Canadian government has been very hard on the idea of LNG in the United States of America. They don't want it. They, they, they want don't to want sell it, a bit. it to us. Yeah. They're, they're our friends, but still, we have to be realistic about where it comes from and who's paying for it. Yeah. Irving Oil is uh, huge in Maine, and some people allege that they run the province of New Brunswick. Irving Oil well, came they, with a... They, they do. They're a big company. Oh, God. They and, own the uh, shipyard. They own the banks. They own the towboat company. They certainly... But uh, let me say this. Yeah. It's a very good company. Irving very Oil has, has come out with a statement just the other week that says uh, they do not an, object in any way to Maine uh, uh, energy projects contrary to the rumor that they run the new brunswick government is what they're trying to get ahead of here but um the new brunswick government has come up with a uh, a report sean graham the the premier released this report that maine lng would be bad for new brunswick and specifically it would impact their tourism their environment and their security yeah. now this contradicts a canadian federal report that was used to get the can of port built and also a new brunswick uh, critics say this contradicts the the reports that they had to get the thing built in the first place, mm. you know. And again, the politics of this are kind of interesting, isn't it? Mm. And these people are our neighbors. They're right next door. And uh, I think they're mildly, uh, uh, well, I'd put it uh, greatly unappreciated, uh, you know, what goes on down there. I'd like to talk to the people in St. John on Boat Talk. Uh, well, sounds like, soon a, about sounds the, like a show coming up, doesn't it? The Canaport, uh, you know, thing down there. So that's where we're at. Yep. With uh, that, you know. Okay. Um, I'd like to go to uh, a little pre-recorded, uh, well, I guess call it an interview I had with Paul Bowden. Paul Bowden, um, well, give you a little background. Carlton Johnson, the host of uh, WERU drive Through on Wednesday evenings, the reggae show, said to me, uh, why don't you do a show that's uh, centered around decommissioning? And I says, well, it's pretty hard for us to focus on any one thing or any show. We're pretty eclectic here. But one thing that seemed important to me was uh, all these people who have outboard motors or any kind of engine that gets um, the new E10 gasoline. Uh, Paul gives a pretty interesting story on the uh, controversy involving um, E10 gasoline in marine use. And here's Paul. Alcohol in gasoline has actually been good for your business, right? Unfortunately so. Uh, it causes uh, many fuel system problems, particularly in the marine environment uh, because of its uh, absorption of water. Uh, marine fuel systems are vented to the atmosphere, obviously. Uh, boats sit on a body of water, which is a good, good source of moisture. And the E10 fuel uh, absorbs moisture right out of the atmosphere. Like I say, we've done some uh, little demonstrations in the shop with three pots of gas uh, on a humid day. Uh, with a flashlight shining in the fuel, you can actually watch it absorb moisture right out of the atmosphere. Uh, there are a lot of additives on the market today to help with it, uh, especially to help with the, the phase separation or the, the uh, moisture absorption. And there are also a lot of snake oils on the market. So um, I'm not going to plug any products here, but uh, we have found a few that are acceptable to use. Basically, the last thing that you want to do with E10 fuel is add more alcohol to it. 
So your dry gas type products and those sort of things are out of the question. Uh, you don't want to compound the problems by adding alcohol. So the best thing to do and the best way to find out uh, whether a product has alcohol in it, which goes by several names, uh, is to get the MSDS or the material safety data sheet on the product that will list all the ingredients in it by law, uh, and then you can tell what it is you're actually adding. Um, is there a website people can get more information on different products? Yeah, we've gotten a lot of information. Uh, there's a company called Fuel Testers. Uh, they're on the web, uh, www.fuel-testers.com. And as I said, they're a fuel test laboratory, and they have tested several of these products that are on the market, and uh, they can they have it broken down very well on their on their site. It's a, it's a very very strong solvent. So when it's added to a fuel system that's uh, particularly a few years old, uh, which has had an accumulation of varnish and gum built up in it, uh, it will clean that fuel system in a, in a very, very quick manner. There's a lot of cases we see where uh, fuel has been spilled on the cowlings of the smaller engines. It'll actually it'll peel the, the decals off the cowl. In a lot of cases, it'll, it'll actually remove the paint. Uh, so a fuel, an older fuel system in a boat that has had years of gasoline, um, little varnish buildup, a little crud in there stuck to the walls of the tank, insides of the fuel lines and the fuel system, uh, this stuff will clean it and it will send it downstream. Uh, consequently, we run into a lot of carburetor plugging issues, a uh, lot of fuel system issues. This, this past season, uh, there was not a single day uh, they went by in the shop that we did not do fuel system work. And uh, some, on some days, there was multiple fuel system jobs, up to, up to say, six. And how about the uh, older uh, rubber components, O-rings and gaskets and so forth? It will destroy those as well. Basically, anything back in the 80s is not going to be ethanol resistant. Uh, the manufacturers have made a lot of changes, material changes in uh, in internal carburetor parts, uh, fuel pump diaphragms, rubber hoses, uh, that sort of thing. Well, recommendations for winter storage, and particularly uh, with marine equipment, um, there's been a lot of uh, discussion as to whether or not tanks should be left full, tanks should be left empty. Uh, what we've been doing here uh, actually is recommending that people do keep their tanks full over the course of the winter, make sure they're stabilized with a, you know, with a known good fuel stabilizer. Uh, keeping the tanks full uh, cuts down on the air interchange in the tank over the course of the winter, and consequently will cut down on the moisture absorption from the atmosphere and run the stabilized fuel all the way to the fuel system. Um, yeah, we've been recommending the uh, Stabil Start uh, Stabil Marine formula which is a relatively new one, um, and Startron's Starbright, or I'm sorry, Starbright Startron additive. Uh, we've been running the Startron typically during the season, uh, and we've been using the Stable Marine Formula Administration time. Uh, the Stable has the more uh, corrosion preventatives in it than the Startron does. Sorry for the abrupt ending there. That's Paul Bowden of Bowden Marine, and we have links to uh, more information on that on our website, which is boattalk.org. 
It's an interesting story of unintended consequences, isn't it? Oh, and yeah. again, we're talking about uh, you know putting a windmill here, or there, and a power line here, and you know we got to think these things this, through. This obviously, is a, big, a big thing to talk about. Well, we have two phone calls backed up, so let's let's uh, go to those again. Good morning, and welcome to Boat Talk. Uh, am I on? Yes, yeah. Who are we speaking right. to this morning? My, my name is Mark. I'm in Surrey. Uh, you guys get more calls if you put your phone number online. If I mentioned it a few <laughs> times, right? You're right. To drive home just to find it. So I have two questions. I'll uh, ask the first one. Pretty brief. What you get around here for uh, the non-toxic antifreeze for winterizing is the pink stuff. Everybody refers to it as the pink stuff. So I did that on a small diesel. And then I noticed when I uh, got my bill for it, the bill said uh, not for use in marine, winterizing marine engines. Whoops. Yeah. But, but yeah. this is the only stuff that's, you know, for sale at the auto store or, mm. you know, and I see it around, you know, jars of it around the yard. What do you know? It's, it's hard on hoses. Yeah, too. I, wouldn't, I wouldn't use it on a marine engine. The only thing that I know of is that the fishermen, some of the fishermen, when they're fishing all winter, just use that on a daily basis on their intake uh, raw water side to keep it from freezing overnight. But that's all. Uh, and uh, Well, they say at the yard, don't use uh, the regular antifreeze because it's toxic. It's, you know, when you're running it out, when you're running it, uh, right, you don't want running it through, it runs out on the ground. And no, stuff, there's so. no need of that because what I do in my own boat, I just laid up. I, I, I dump the antifreeze right through the system with the engine running and i got a hose or in this case i had a guy on the outside holding the bucket and when the bucket was full i shut her off that's it no no antifreeze went on the ground i didn't allow it so i would do it so you just use regular regular antifreeze just use regular antifreeze mixed you know 50 50 with water if it's if it's full antifreeze the other thing that i learned that learned i would not do is I, I, I don't really like that stuff, nor I've used plenty of it. Don't like it in my boat with plastic tanks. The pink uh, stuff, you mean? Yeah, the pink stuff, because I've got, I've got uh, polyvinyl tanks, huh. and it takes forever to get rid of the taste of it. And the only way you can get it out of the boat in the spring is fill it up with fill it all the tanks with water and put a good dose of either baking soda or Clorox in there and do it two or three times, fill and flush the tanks at least three times. So I'd hate to tell you what I did this year. It sounds crazy, but other people are doing it. I just went out and bought the poorest grade vodka, <laughs> vodka that I could buy <laughs> and put a half gallon in yep. each tank. I've seen that done, and, too. And, and, well, they've been doing it in some particularly boats with plastic tanks. You get a lot of friends in the springtime. Yeah. Well, <laughs> uh, what I'm afraid of is I'll come back and find the system totally dry. <laughs> well, what harm does the pink stuff do? Uh, it doesn't do any harm. I wouldn't put it in an engine, though, for some reason. It just doesn't seem right to me. I'll let somebody else experiment with that, not me. Okay, it seems to be all I've seen them using down at the yard where I am. Yeah, actually, I've seen it been being used at boat yards, too. The boat yards that I uh, won't name, but... Uh, they used it basically so that they could just pump it out in the springtime on the ground and not worry about it. But uh, in general, I don't think they had any real problem with, with their engines. I do know that certain uh, sanitation hoses say not for use with uh, non-toxic antifreeze because I guess it mm. must soften them. So it must have some sort of a solvent quality to it. 
Okay. Well, I'll try and deal with that. Here's my other question. I've got a 27-foot sloop. It's got a, a masthead rig. Uh, I'm thinking of putting a temporary force stay on to carry a storm jib. And uh, my, my notion is to rig it somehow to the top of the, uh, top of the mast, run it down, and uh, I've got two cleats, mooring cleats about, oh, you know, they're, they're back from the bow. And, uh, and, and rig it, leave it most of the time, just fastened, you know, tied to the bottom of the mast. And then when I want to rig it, rig it to those, there's several ways I could rig it to those cleats with a, uh, some kind of a chain tightener or, or yeah, a big... just put a bridle on it. Right, bridle. Right. So, so you see a flaw in that. Well, you want to make sure your cleats are well fastened. Yeah, <laughs> got yeah. a good, good backing plate or some sort. Yeah, yeah, they they're well fastened. Yeah, and I and I'd also run a uh, chain or cable from them down to uh, down to a fitting which I'd put through the stem. Is that so you can hang on a tiny little jib? I assume your regular jib's on a roller furler. It's on a roller furler. Yeah, right? which is again, you can uh, make that jib any size, but it's not it's not a real good storm rig because they can unroll and. Yeah, I'd rather, I'd rather not use it for a storm jib. Yeah. Yeah. If yeah, I need a storm jib, I'd rather not use it. Yeah, and, and nowadays, uh, like I say, there's no uh, real wire up there that you can just uh, slide a sail onto and, and run her up because the the uh, uh, forestay is a, a drum with a big uh, yeah. aluminum foil on it that the jib wraps up on nowadays. Yeah. Well, They're wonderful conveniences, aren't they? Oh, uh, it's, uh, it was magic. It's the first one I've had. I couldn't believe I got the thing up and down that fast. Isn't that the greatest thing? But yeah. but, but but is there any flaw in in, in my atta- in my putting a temporary stay that you can see other than that the, the cleat's got to be strong? No, oh, why no. not? No, no, I don't see any problem well, with that. And what about? Uh, can you add a fitting at the bow? Some kind of a what would you call it? A, a, a pad eye, a, you know, big um, stainless steel loop or some such. I uh, could do that, but I was thinking that it would be better under storm conditions, which I hope I don't meet, uh, to have the center to have a sail with the center further yeah. back, right. cutter like. We have one more phone call, so thank you very much. That one. Okay, I'll try to squeeze yeah. somebody in. Thanks, good, Mark. Good luck. Good morning. Welcome to Boat Talk. We only have just a couple of minutes left. Sure, I got two quick questions, one for Giffy and one to add on to the thread of uh, turbines. Um, I just finished designing, uh, actually uh, manufacturing a, a prototype turbine for the University of Maine. Uh, uh, who are we speaking to? to uh, Giffy just called me Barney. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Uh-oh. Uh-oh. I'm in trouble now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they have a title up there and a tow tank so i think that uh, maine is pretty much involved in doing this stuff uh as far as tidal turbines that was there was two up there being tested when i was there and this one is going to go in the tank uh next week so glad to hear it this is going on now the question for giffy (laughs) Uh (laughs) (laughs) we've been through this before um double plank hull uh, cedar on the inside. You're going to take a plank out. You're obviously going to disturb the cedar on the inside. Not necessarily. Well, you probably, if it's Virginia sheet, you're going to rip it out because it's rotten anyway, being 20, 30 years old. Um, when you build this back up again, you've got to uh, wrap it out to, for the inner planking to go against the outer planking and make a, make a uh, spot there. Now, what is the compound you would use? Would you use Sikaflex or 5200? 
Mm. Well, the, 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 the answer to that is, are you ever going to take it apart again? Well, you're probably going to have to take it apart if you're going to, if you have some damage, but Yeah. I well, know. I mean, I... You, uh, first, first, as far as the wood goes, is it going to know What you difference? can do, simply, you could use a 5200. If it ever has to be repaired again, you have to take it off with routers. Yeah. I would I would use Sikaflex. I'm not a big fan of 5200. Yeah, 52. Not either. Uh, the Sikaflex is just as tenacious as adhesive, but it's a much more flexible. So the wood sees the Sikaflex as more flexible. I, I kind of agree with them. I'd probably uh, go with something that was less tenacious. Yeah, he'd, he'd stick with Sikaflex. Yeah, but yeah. I think the other thing is taking the old plank off. You, you could rope that off so you don't damage the cedar inside. It's, it's easy to do. You just take router passes every half an inch or so apart from each other so you still maintain the same depth level all the way along. Yeah, and, and what about the back fastens? <laughs> router will take care of them. Yeah, yeah and they'll take care of your router as well. Hopefully not stainless. Well, that's, uh, we've done that on some big trumpets and, sure. and uh, just take the outer plank off with routers and just Buy some extra routers. <laughs> yeah, you mean. Barney, we're running out of time. Good All right, luck. thank you much. Yeah. Well, i got time to just uh, quickly remind folks that next week uh, is our WERU final fundraiser of the year, and we need a whole of a lot of support to put WERU on WERU's fiscal year on an even keel. It's just something to think about next week and hope you don't wave it off. Talk is made possible in part by the Red Fern Boat Company of Hancock County. Since 1982, offering maintenance, storage, and restoration for power boats and sailboats. Also offering dockage on Mount Desert Island, redfernboat.com. W-E-R-U.